prophet is someone who do not turn people to God. Right? What site, what biblical site you say that's what the Bible shows? It's in the Bible. All right, where? read it. Uh, I can't give you all the scriptures right now. You don't know the scriptures? <laughs> I do know them, but I can't give you point in verse. I got to go through the concordance and show you where they are. Hello and welcome to another episode of 66 Deep. In this episode, we are going to be delving into the Office of Apostleship and finding out whether it is still active today and what the criteria around that is or whether it has they actually ceased within the canons of, um, of scriptures. Um, in this episode, we're joined by Franvia, Andre and Alfred and myself and we're going to be digging in to see where we end up on this one. Oh, and without further ado, let's jump straight in. We've got um, fundamentally um, seven questions that we're going to um, pose, challenge, or um, clarify um, in to try to establish the, the question of um, the currency and the um, historicity, I guess, of the apostles and the apostleship. And sometimes it's, I, I guess it's called bishopric as well. Um, so, um, Brother Parambir, um, Andre, do you want to um, to say anything um, before I actually pose the seven questions? Um, no, I'm all good to go. Uh -huh. Yeah, just go for I, it. Yes, I'd, I'd like to just um, say that how important these questions are and why um, this topic is important. We're noticing more and more the office of an apostle being put forward uh, by some figures or by some churches. And certainly amongst a lot of the African churches, we notice that they, they call themselves the apostle this or the prophet that. Um, and uh, recently I've noticed that uh, we had a flyer come around to our church where there was a lady who called herself a doctor apostle. So it makes you wonder uh, exactly how they came to that point, really. And that's what uh, we're trying to delve in today, to see, to get to the truth of, the, of what an apostle and an apostleship is. So, so here it is. So the first question then is, was the ministry of the apostles only for the New Testament era? Okay, so was the ministry of the apostles only for the New Testament era? Very complex question, because... Some do say it, it, it was, and therefore apostle, the office of an apostle or the ministry of an apostle, or if you like the uh, authority of an apostle cannot exist today. And they will usually among cessationists, uh, along with the gifts of the spirit uh, ceasing, no longer necessary, is one argument put forward. The other argument is that apostles were eyewitnesses. They were appointed exclusively by the Lord Jesus for a particular purpose. And one thing we forget is that when we look at the New Testament, we seem to think every time it talks about Jesus and his disciples, we tend to have a narrow view of what that actually was. We tend to think it's the 12. But I would encourage all our listeners to go back and read that with a fresh mind, because the 12 were chosen for probably from amongst hundreds 
if not thousands of disciples. Uh, there were many, many disciples of Jesus. We're given different numbers in different accounts. And, uh, but amongst them, Jesus chose 12 apostles. Now, those apostles, by definition, were sent by the Lord Jesus to preach, to teach, to heal, to raise the dead, to cast out demons. That was a particular training ministry at the time when he sent them. And that ministry continued after his death. But something else was added. Two other things. One is there were eyewitnesses to his, uh, to his resurrection. Now, if we turn to Acts 1, you will see that when Judas fell from this ministry, when the disciples of which there were 120 disciples with the apostles, 11 apostles, they realized by the Spirit of God that from Scripture, from the Old Testament, it says that um, the Scripture has been fulfilled. Uh, it says, in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and says, the number of, uh, of names, uh, the number of the names together were about 120. He says, men and brethren, this Scripture must have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake. So he carries on, and he goes on to say that it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate and let no man dwell therein. Talking about Judas and let his bishopric let another take. This is a very important scripture because this tells us some of the, key, uh, the criteria that was necessary for them to appoint an apostle. Look at carefully what Peter says. He had to have been with them beginning from the, uh, from the time of John, from the baptism of John. Uh, had to have been a, uh, a person who accompanied the men while the Lord Jesus was coming in and out amongst them. And then it says he must also have been, must be, want to be ordained as a witness with us of the resurrection. So when the Lord Jesus rose and came to the disciples, these two men were there. The one that they proposed, uh, two men they proposed to choose from. They were actually there. They'd gone through all that criteria. And you, we realize that they prayed and chose lots and it went to Matthias um, rather than, I think, Judas. So the criteria for that particular band of uh, a group of apostles was eyewitnesses. They had to be living witnesses of the risen Lord Jesus. Now, was the, was the ministry just for that time? If that was the case, it doesn't make sense why Paul comes on the scene. It doesn't make sense why Barnabas is referred to as an apostle. It doesn't make sense why Andronicus and Junia or Junias are mentioned as apostles. So what it is, it's telling us that ministry in different times has a different role. Fun fundamental and foundational to the Christian faith is that Jesus built his church on the testimony and the witness and the preaching of the word of the apostles. But there are other classes of apostles who are not the same. They don't have the same ministry because there are other scriptures pointing to eyewitnesses. And I can show you. So we have, uh, we could have apostles in the sense of not like eyewitnesses, but in the sense of church planters. So it's more like a ministry rather than having the authority because that authority cannot be delegated. That belongs to the Lord Jesus and it works by the Holy Spirit through the church and whatever, um, the last thing I want to say is that the apostles were chosen to bring about the word of God, the revelation of God. Many argue that because that was finished, there can be no longer apostles. But they forget that the ministerial, the functional side of it, 
is still there. Okay, so the first thing um, uh, that I would say is that the orthodox position is that that we don't believe in cessationism. Um, there is no such thing as the stopping of the gifts. What we're talking about here is authority. Who has the authority to do what? Um, so no, you can't just be some random person off the street and say, I'm an apostle. No, you can't do that. Um, yes, being an eyewitness is absolutely um, something that's crucial to being an apostle. However, we have 500 people that saw the, uh, that saw the risen Jesus but they're not called apostles. Why is this? Well, first thing we have to say to ourselves is what were they seeing? Because when we talk about seeing Jesus, we're talking not just about seeing the body post-resurrectional. We're also talking about seeing the glory, which is something that only the apostles witnessed. So we're talking about the table light. So what the light that shone forth during the transfiguration, this is something that only the apostles witnessed. Even Paul, when he was on the road to Damascus and he's praying. Now, some people say he's knocked off a horse. That's something that's inferred, but that's not the tradition. The original tradition is he was doing something called Merkaba mysticism, which is where he's, re um, he's reciting the Shema over and over again just like Ezekiel was doing to raise himself to the throne room, which is something that was common during second temple Judaism. Um, and what happened is when he got to the throne room, seeing God in, on, uh, on the throne was not the sort of revelation. He kind of done things like that before the revelation was that it was Jesus sitting on the throne. And that's what he saw. He saw the, uh, he saw the uncreated glory of God. And that's where he gets his authority as an apostle. That's not something that everybody can have. Now, in terms of the office of apostleship, that's not something that you can have now. You can have something called uh, a status called equal to the apostles, meaning that you have done vast, uh, you, know, you, you know, you've gone to lots of different places and you've uh, evangelized. But in terms of having the office of apostleship that's not something that comes today what we would say today is that actually um bishops take the place of apostles and the reason we say that is because prophets had the term seer right so seer in hebrew is the term for prophet and if you go to the new testament it becomes overseer right so the office of prophethood and the office of the bishop is the same type of thing that's going on here. And, and Paul does this on purpose because he's trying to say that we're not just picking this up out of thin air, making something up. No, you are literally the lineage of the people of God. You are now the Israel of God. You are the family connected to Moses, connected to Abraham. And we're not just saying that in like a trivial way. You really are connected to Abraham. And the ones who um, have uh, forsaken their lineage, they are not they are not the Israel anymore. Okay. Um, and that's why in revelation, we hear the term synagogue of Satan recorded because they do not have the lineage anymore. In fact, Jesus says that um, some of you will see the destruction of the temple. And what do we see in 70 AD Bar Kokhva revolt, the temples destroyed and the lineages that the Jews had to Moses, because they did have something called Semcha, which is basically um a lineage going back to Moses, right? Ordination. That was uh, cut off because of the Cock uh, Bar Kokhva revolt and all their records were burnt. So nobody knows anymore. So if you ask a Jew, uh, can you, uh, do you have like an apostolic succession going back to uh, Moses? They'll be like, uh, no, but we kind of think we do because we, in the Talmud, we talk about, you know, 
oh, well, this guy knew this guy who knew this guy, but they don't really have it. But we do. We actually do have this written down. So in terms of um, what's an apostle, we would say that an apostle is something that's somebody who's seen the glory of God in that time, in first century, but now it's the bishops that have taken on that role over time. That's the uh, orthodox position. But yes, um, Reese, uh, have you got any comment that you would like to pose or any, any thoughts that you'd like to put forward? Um, well, I guess I'm in the, if we can't do cognitive dissonance, I don't even think I'll reach five minutes because I guess my understanding was um, with the Office of Apostleship that it was the foundation of the church alongside the prophets. And then, um, and the criteria for that was that you would, um, you would have been observers from when Jesus was baptized right up until um, he ascended into heaven. And then things kind of moved on from there, but obviously they, they died. Um, obviously they recruited people out, but then them, um, and had them obviously different shows, but I would have assumed there were more pastors than, than apostles. And then things like in Revelation where it talks about the 12, because um, even like with, uh, with Paul, he calls himself the um, one untimely born, so he's not necessarily tied in with the 12 that um, Jesus talks about, because he included Matthias in that, but he was still an apostle in some degree, because he was unique in the fact that Jesus had met him personally and trained him personally over a period of time and he's gone out amongst all the Gentiles and the fact that he met up with the apostles and everything that he was doing was validated by them. So it's a, uh, from that perspective, I thought it was like, it was for the New Testament because the people who call themselves apostles today certainly don't have that criteria and they are quite brazen in how they operate. And there's a few names that pop up, mostly like in America, say like Bill Johnson and um, Jonathan Ferguson and people like that who say, oh, you know, I'm an apostle, but then they don't, either make the criteria, understand it in its fullness, um, and essentially just making up the, the rules as they go along with that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I would, I would say I'm on the fence-ish. From what I've read, I've pretty much thought it was like, it's within the kind of streets and they're the foundation and you don't lay a foundation more than once. You don't break it down, start again, break it down, start again. But I can understand the transitional side of it all, but in terms of like the term apostle, I thought it was confined within scripture, so. Is so you've given um, some two sides uh, and, and possible three sides to um, thinking that we have on this platform tonight. Um, so, are we saying then that fundamentally that the apostle, um, as defined by the scriptures, that they have. Um, a period of time that they existed and a period of time ends today, post um, the post the, the writing of the um, of the scriptures, the New Testament, that they don't exist as such. Am I hearing some thoughts like that? Or definitely, I think um, Paramvir gave um, a kind of um, um, almost a suggestion of a two types of apostles, the type which um, are, um, let me call them, uh, he, he didn't actually use this word, but let me call them a primary apostles being specially ordained 
um, by Christ for a specific um, purpose. And then you have another subgroup that were associated as apostles because um, they do um, some um, magnitude of work and ministry that kind of uh, suggests that they're apostolic in their um, attributes. Um, does that sort of uh, ring true with what you're suggesting to us, Paramvir? Yes, I would say so. Um, I think it needs clarification because the danger is people like Bill Johnson are claiming the same apostolic authority that no longer exists. It cannot exist because why would we have the word of God? Apostolic authority now has been transferred to the word of God. So they cannot actually, in fact, if you look at church history, when apostles, people claim to be apostles or try to replicate the apostles have caused havoc to the body of Christ. It can lead into serious doctrinal error. It can lead people astray. And what happens is that these people that seem to claim apostolic authority start actually introducing rules and regulations that are contrary to what the uh, following of the spirit is. So, but there's a danger on the other side which I mentioned about uh, the cessationists and those that don't believe in the gifts and they group all the gifts, including the apostles, as if they're all done away with. Then you have a danger because the Holy Spirit didn't stop. Jesus wasn't stopped by that model, was he? He went and picked out Paul. He carried on. Now, but Paul was not an eyewitness in the original sense, but, he, but the Lord Jesus revealed himself and revealed his word to him. So yes, he did have a very, very uh, uh, primarial uh, apostleship, if you like, in, this, in the, the other 11 or 12 that were there. However, people today need to be very careful because one thing they miss is that the gifts of, the, uh, of God, the gifts of the church are operated by the Holy Spirit. So there's danger in elevating the office and people bringing uh, themselves to that level, and there's danger in people neglecting it. And in between is the right balance because... That explains in, New, in the New Testament why you have Barnabas being referred to as an apostle and Andronicus and the others. There are other scriptures referring to apostles, which I can show you from 1 uh, Corinthians 15, verse 7. Because if you go through the list of people that saw Jesus, we have James, we have Peter, we have the 12, and then we have the apostles. So it, what's the implication there? If it was Peter that Jesus came to privately and he went back and sat with the apostles as if he hadn't seen Jesus, that wouldn't make sense. So it's much more deeper than that. So there are dangers on both ends. People that run away with apostolic authority over the word of God and people that throw away uh, the, uh, the working of, uh, of Jesus by his spirit in, in what the role of an apostle is, which is as a church planter or as a groundbreaker or whatever you want to call it, you know, that ministry by the spirit still exists. But it doesn't mean that they are like Peter or Paul. That would be wrong because then you start ascertaining attributes to people and that's dangerous. Um, I think a good question um that I think um, one should, well, I would definitely like to post, if I was in, in contesting or challenging some of these um, um, folks who um, call themselves apostles, 
you know, I, I think coming back from some of what you're saying, one of my questions to them would be, you know, well, who made you an apostle? And um, and probably following that would be, you know, what do you do as an individual? At what point did you become an apostle? And what do you do that makes you an apostle? And let's say me or somebody else, not an apostle. Yeah. Um, that's a question that I would pose them, and I and I and I guess um, you know there, there there are many other questions that's coming out of um, your explanation there that we could pose at people that uh, that needs to, not that we could pose but need to be posed because there is a there's a great danger um, I see in people um, proposing themselves to be apostles and why for me. I would say for me, there is no danger because I don't listen to them full stop. I'm mature enough. My teeth are long enough to, um, to know not to listen to them. But here is the danger. With, with um, position, with power comes influence. And it, you can see how easy it might become for more vulnerable people easily manipulated people to be led astray so somebody could come and say as an apostle of the lord this is what i am asking you to do give me give into the church ten thousand pounds go and sign a check for ten thousand pounds and i'm telling you this as an apostle of the lord so with that weightful name apostle and also not just is not just is the name of an apostle a weightful name but a pastor, a prophet, these are weightful names. And if they're abused, they, they, they have a tendency that they could lead people astray in, in significant way. Because I would suggest the majority, are the, a big proportion, let me say, of the Christian world and people who come to Christ are very vulnerable, are very easily led you know, um, they are, are, are inclined to follow as opposed to um, be critical, challenging ideas and things that is proposed to them and are, and are not um, um, inclined by first principle to run back to the scripture to test what I am saying or what other people are saying. They'll either probably believe it, accept it, are rejected, but but most people I su suggest might not, as a prime um, movement, go back to scripture and check to see whether um, anything that I'm saying really ties up to the word of God. So here's a danger, and in um, in um, Revelation chapter two and verse two is, and this is what Jesus himself is saying to the um, to the church at Ephesus. He says, I know your works and your labor and also your patience and how um, you, you cannot stand or bear them which are evil. And also that you, you have tried them that say they're apostles and are not 
and you found them to be liars. So, um, so what we're doing here definitely is something that any child of God need to be encouraged to do. If a man come and say, I'm a prophet or I'm an apostle, they need to be tried and we need to have some measure to try them by. And it's not just, I declare myself as an apostle and, and everybody accept that. As so frequently we have people come in our midst and call themselves apostles, but nobody, the, our leadership don't challenge them. What makes you an apostle? Mm, you know, and I think we need to do, people need to be challenged. Anybody who makes a claim for God in any aspect need to be challenged. And I think that's something we need to, we need to encourage definitely. That if I think I, in the third world as well, it's kind of like a thing where <clears throat> most people are vulnerable to this. So if you go to India, for instance, we have something called, uh, dad, my dad can like, he'll be able to correct me on this. I think it's called a Pakhandi Baba. When you have like um, someone who's like a fake Baba or something who goes around to villages and stuff and says, oh um, yeah, I'm like, you know, connected to, you know, whatever temple or whatever, give me some money. Yeah. 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 And they go, Oh, give me some money. So I think anywhere where there's a lot of folk religions, a lot of paganism, a lot of kind of, well, just poverty in general, um, people are susceptible to this because lack of education. I, I would say that lack of education, lack of reading, lack of access to like Bibles now are very easy to get access to. So we take them for granted in the beginning of Christianity. No one could read like it was the slaves who were who were Christians. Right. So how did they verify? That's what you have to look at because they can't read. Right. So it now I would say they could look to a person like, for instance, Polycarp, Polycarp directly knew John right and he was a disciple of john and everybody could verify that so it was like a decentralized type of thing where like okay everybody here knows who this guy is everybody knows who he's connected to so the first question they would always ask would be like okay who sent you that's the classic qu question you always ask to an apostle or someone who claims to be an apostle is who sent you right um and the thing is i think even paul talks about this he's like i'm glad people don't say that i've sent you and stuff like that right so um the, if we look at what an apostle is, right, we have to look at Luke 10, and then we have to also cross-reference that with Numbers 11, okay? So in Luke 10, if you read it in the Greek, it says that 72, now set, the two might be a copying, copying error, it's probably 70, um, and it says that Jesus sent them, which actually is ap apostelin, which is just apostle, right? Uh, he sent them two by two into every city, Okay. And then if you look into Numbers 11, uh, you have, and the Lord sent unto Moses, gather unto me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be the elders of the people and their scribes, bring them to me. And I will take the spirit, which is upon thee and put it upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people together with thee. So you can see that there's a clear mirroring from the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's the same thing. It's the same lineage. That's, that's what I would say. Okay. Yeah, are, we, are we ready for question two now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just before we jump into question two, um, I would like to um, probably put a little bit of a, um, a substantiation, if, if that's a correct um, phraseology, there to something that you suggested or you posed. I would also like to probably not make anything definitive, but to throw something else in mm -hmm. that might suggest to me and probably to others that you have a, an idea there that might be worth looking into regarding the fact that we say 
um, there, there might be there might be a kind of a twofold um, idea of you know association of apostle that that somebody might call somebody an apostle that was not an apostle Paul or an apostle Peter or an apostle John you know but 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 um, might still be an apostle and uh, and the reason why I say that you you actually quoted some scriptures there that actually where the Bible cites um, a couple other people that um, they put under the umbrella of apostles. So what I'd like to suggest now from a scripture that I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna read to you is that, uh, is that yeah, we can't, I, I would say I can't um, in my understanding and knowledge say that those people were not under an umbrella called apostle. However, I would probably um, feel myself a little bit more confident to say, nevertheless, they did not carry the same weight as the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, and, 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 and the likes. And, and this is the scripture that I'm going to give, which is um, Revelation chapter 21. Now, this is what Jesus says um, here. Um, uh, this is what the Bible says concerning the new Jerusalem um, um, that, that's coming down from heaven and, and how, it, how it is constructed, how it is built. And, and it says here, and the, it, it gives you the dimension and the material that it's built on and the, and the, the patterns that are in it and the names that are stamped on, on various parts of it, almost like an internal memorial to certain people. You know, um, nameless. So the gates, I think, were 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 named. Had stamped on them the twelve tribes of Israel, and you know, it would be almost like um, it, I think Andre used the Old Testament, which we can never obliterate and exclude the Old Testament from developing an understanding. New Testament ideas because they are not divorced. They have a symmetry. They have a congruence. They have resonance. They they're tied together. They have meaning that are that that, that are very similar. You know that that helps to. to it, it's like the, the 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 previous is like a picture of something that's going to materialize in the future, which is what the New Testament is a materializing of the of the of the Old Testament. I would suggest. So we have the 12 tribes of Israel. We have the 12 apostles. I think there is some synergy there. I don't think they're just random um, um, figures and stuff like that, you know. Um, uh, but listen to what the scripture says. And the wall of the city had 12 foundation. Now, the, found, the word foundation, I would suggest, is very important because the Bible tells us already that the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone that holds it together. Without him, it, without him it, nothing is held together. But the foundation is the prophets and the apostles. They're, they're, that's what the scripture said. They're the phone. But then listen to what this also says now. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations. And in them, the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. That suggests to me 
that even though we might say there are some, there might be people who are um, affiliated, associated, and may also be called apostles, they might not, and I would suggest don't have the weight of the apostle, the 12 apostles. And the 12 apostles, which I, I, I suspect must be those that Jesus chose, you know, and I think the apostle Paul is clearly um, one of them because he, Jesus said, he is a chosen vessel for me to do the things that I would, I would. He declares himself that he is an apostle. He says, are there apostles? Yes, Peter is an apostle, but I am not the wit, not, I'm not one jot behind the greatest of the apostles. So the apostle Paul stamp his authority as an apostle of the Lord, you know, and I think I would, I could not challenge him because I didn't have his revelation. And if I challenge him, I would have to challenge also everything that is that he is that he we claim that he has written. You know, so so there's some things there, there like that. So so I would say so I'm I'm inclined to go with Permvia's view that there might be in the old test in the in the New Testament era, people who um who um were classed as apostles, but I would suggest were not. If, me, if I use the word, the special, the chosen, iconic foundation of the church apostles. Yeah. So, 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 so that's, that's a thought that I would just like to throw in. Um, you know, um, I don't know. I don't think we're going to um, discuss that, but that, I just wanted to throw that in. So, well, um, I've got one thing I can add. Uh, I would say I like that word that you use, icon. Um, obviously I'm going to say that on it. Um, so the, the idea of, um, that these apostles should be iconic is something that's actually in scripture. So for instance, when, um, in Hebrews, it says that <clears throat> Jesus is the full icon. If you read the Greek it actually says icon of the father. So in that way, the apostles should also be icons of Jesus Christ. Right. So when you see somebody who claims to be an apostle, which, you know, for us would be like bishops who are succeeded, right? They should have an image that is the image of, they should be like the image of Christ on earth. It's iconic. It's like you're looking at a picture and the person's there, but you should be seeing Jesus. You know, I'm not saying now it's easy to take this and twist this. I'm not saying this in like a Hindu way. I'm not saying this like, okay, um, this person like takes on like some sort of weird thing. And I'm saying it's, it's representative. You should be acting in a way that the way Jesus acted, right? So this iconic representation, I think is key to what an apostle is. It, it's not just about, um, oh, I saw, or, oh, I had a vision, or, oh, I had a dream because demons can send dreams. Demons can send visions. Demon, like Lucifer comes as a, as an angel of light. So somebody who says, oh, I've seen the, I've seen the light of table. You can't just take that. Right. So yeah, it's, it's also about how the person acts because as we know, it's by the fruits that you know them. So you can tell if someone's an apostle by how they act. It's, it's, it's actually a lot more simple than I think people make it. And when people say things like I'm an apostle and this and that, well, does that guy have a secret bank account where he sends money and then he buys a car here and there and then he has women somewhere? Well, okay. He's probably not an apostle then, right? Like it's not that difficult, you know? <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that. You know, and, and I think you are right. Um, they are ambassadors of Christ. 
That's what the Apostle Paul uses that word um, frequently. And an ambassador is somebody who speaks directly on behalf of the, of the person who sent them. As a matter of fact, if I am an ambassador, I don't need to refer back to the person who sent me. I have already given authority to speak new things that you might not have heard because I am an ambassador. I have been given the voice. I've been given the legitimacy. I have been given the justification. I've been given the authority, you know, and I love what the Pharisees pose to Jesus. So sometimes we think that they're cheeky, but they're not. When Jesus did certain things, that some of the question that they ask him, by what authority do you do these things? And I think we should ask those people who, forgive me, presumptuously call themselves modern day apostles, that we should ask them, by what authority? To, and we should hold them to the fire with what comes out of their mouth. It is not a light thing. And it might, you might have to be very savage with people. I hope, pray to God that you, we, could, we could gently um, unravel people's um, idolatrous and presumptuous minds um, to unthink the things that they think about themselves. It's, a, it's almost a sense of self-importance, you know, um, which is, we, we, you know, you know, which, 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 which needs to be challenged. And I think if anything comes out of what I'm actually posing and suggesting to, to us is that they need anybody who claim to be a messenger of Christ at any level need to be challenged vociferously and relentlessly. I believe the Lord expects it. Yes, because remember, uh, as the uh, as we saw the church, was it the Ephesians who, in Revelation, got uh, Jesus commended them, commended them for their work and for testing um, those who claim to be apostles, and also those um, deeds of the Nicolaitans, which is quite an interesting idea in itself, because that's people having an oversight, claiming they had special authority from God when they didn't. Yes. Um, but I think the second question does go deeper because a lot of people could actually claim from scripture that they're, they are apostles. And I think that they will challenge us and say, here it is. Yeah. There you go. They're, they're in the scripture. That's the scripture telling us that there are apostles today. Yeah. And here's the thing. We are not challenging the scripture. Hmm. We're challenging the person today who claim apostleship. And they need to be challenged. And I think, which is just like what they did here in, 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 in um, Revelation chapter 2, verse 2, in the Ephesians, um, Jesus says, you have tested them and challenged them who claim to be apostles, and you have found them to be liars. Now, I wonder what test they tested them. I could only suggest that they test them based on the apostles that they knew, on the scriptures that they knew, you know, and that's what we have to test people you know, um, on what is written, yeah? I would go even further and say that um, when Paul says, keep our traditions, whether written or oral, I would say that they may have even said, what has Paul said? You know, what has he told you? And, and, and they would, if they didn't, if they weren't a real apostle, then they wouldn't have known what Paul said, right? Then yeah. Maybe they didn't have his letter or even know what he was saying to do in a certain church. So, this this you don't have to believe in but i would say that they also were being told by paul here's how you carry out a daily service 
here's how we do things like trying to move things throughout you know keeping order within the church so i i would add that in there you know that's something you don't have to yeah yeah no i think we need to um stir up our own thoughts and minds and probably out of our discussions encourage people to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling and not just to take things on people's words you know but to dig and to provoke and to challenge to the point of embarrassment you know and i think we need to do that because what is at stake here is that if i claim to be an apostle you know and people um have respect to that claim and i can i can lead people astray because people are vulnerable young people are vulnerable new converts are vulnerable you know people who are in distress are vulnerable people who are suffering bereavement are vulnerable you know people who are suffering loss are vulnerable people who are going through marital issues are vulnerable people who are physically emotionally psychologically sick are vulnerable and they are easily deceived and led astray so um so what we are discussing here is that say people with power need to be need to have um need to be challenged you know concerning their positions yeah and if they're genuine we have nothing to fear if they are false we need to expose them it's interesting that uh, paul does state what the signs of an apostle are because in some of the churches his apostleship was challenged yes because the judaizers were claiming something that paul didn't have they were saying that paul wasn't one of the originals so it's very easy for satan to come in and say well he wasn't there and in fact if you notice the, the uh, dissimulation is the word I think used that uh, Barnabas was led astray by the Judah, uh, by some of the priestly converts. They were converted, but they were still had a, a foothold in the Mosaic law. They were trying to impose the Mosaic law and were trying to bring the Gentiles under bondage. Yeah? This is happening today. Yeah. The messianic movement in Israel is off the rails, as, as some, uh, some of the observers have said. Very few of them are actually following what the Bible says. The, the rest of them are claimed to be apostles or whatever, trying to bring Gentiles under Judaism. So you see the prayer shawls, you see the shofar, the horn, and all this and that nonsense, yeah? Claiming that uh, they are some kind of apostles in a sense, and people are being led astray. But uh, Paul said that when I came among you, surely the signs of an apostle were performed. You saw the demonstration of the power of the Spirit. This is one of the signs that an apostle had signs and wonders that followed. You know, like Peter, when his shadow fell over people? So amongst those, exactly the same with, uh, with, uh, with Paul. The same kinds of miracles were taking place. They were entrusted with the word of God. Now, that's revelation is closed because we have the scripture. So if you have new apostles coming along, they could easily say, well, that carried on, and I've got a new revelation. And that's where the danger comes in. Satan is very good at taking good things and deceiving people into evil. So if you tell them that if you could, I have, um, I've noticed uh, that when people don't understand the word and they want to try and be like the apostles, they try and manufacture apostleship and the New Testament church. They try and replicate uh, some of the movement that started in the 90s, the New Reformation, the New Wine, um, and some of these, you know, the, some of these churches were trying to replicate, we should be like the New Testament church. 
If we are the New Testament church, if we are born of Jesus, why do we need to replicate something that God did? You don't do it. What they, they weren't looking to be something. They were looking to follow the Spirit. They were looking to, be what the, uh, to obey what the Lord had given them. Here's the problem. We are not to masquerade or we are not to copy. What God did for that generation was written by God for that generation. We are no longer the foundation. The foundation is built, but God is building on the foundation what he's doing in the church today. And people are not waking up and realizing, I don't need to be Peter. I don't need to be Paul. I need to be me, but I need to follow Jesus. Mm, absolutely. And do what he wants for my time. And, and you, you know something else I, I would throw into that as well, um, which, um, you know, like it, it, during the time of the apostles, the Bible tells us that um, um, the, the Holy Spirit was, I think it was, I think it was, um, was the Apostle Paul or Peter, I'm not quite sure which one it was, but um, they were so under the anointing of God that people took um, um, little um, snippets, cloth, handkerchief, whatever it is, that was um, off their clothes and, and sent it out to people. Um, you know, um, and that was because these guys were so divinely blessed and, and filled with the virtues of God, just like oh, virtue left Jesus into the, into the woman with the issue of blood. So virtues of the apostles left them. And so when people receive these um, by faith, when people receive these cloth, or handkerchief, they themselves were ill. Now, why am I saying that? I'm saying that simply that today, we probably find people might just um, um, sort of ritualistically distributing handkerchief and praying over handkerchief. And, and, and we, I think um, we were guilty of that. I'm using the word guilty because um, that is me saying guilty. I don't know whether whether those above me confess guilt, you know, so I'm just saying, I feel it was, I don't feel that it was something that my personal view, I don't feel that it was something that we were, we were God given to do. It's something we did because we were replicating what the apostles did, but the apostles were filled with the virtues of God and virtue flow out of them. I think Andre, you mentioned, I think it was you mentioned the shadow of the apostle falling upon people and they, they were healed or whatever else. You know, um, that was the virtue that God bestowed endued in them as ambassadors and as icons of Christ and those manifestations came out of them. I don't think then it's in the same way because, because Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Why do I need to fast for 40 days and 40 nights? I'm, I'm not called to, to, to take pattern of the physical things that what Jesus did, like he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Yeah. You know, um, I'm not called to do that. Our, our Moses fasted for 40 days and our Elijah fasted for 40 days and 40. I'm not called. To, to replicate, or somebody fasted for three days 
and I'm saying I'm fasting for three days. No, according to our needs and, 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 and our own, own circumstance and situation, I might fast for one day. I might fast for 10 days. It doesn't have to be. The Bible doesn't give us any prescription and say you must fast for three days, four days, five days, six days, or whatever. So we need to be careful that we don't become cultish in the things that we practice. So, you, you know, like, like the handkerchief and whatever else is a little bit cultish because now, of course, if God... If you felt that God moved upon you to do those things, that's different. But as a ritualistic thing, because it was because it was a, something that was done back then, we say, "Oh, let us do this. Let us try this." No, I don't think so. You know. Um, so, um, if nothing else to add on that first question, shall we move, gentlemen, onto um, question two? Um, with the encouragement that um, we're suggesting to people, and I, if I speak for us, and if I'm not speaking for us, correct me, either we're encouraging folks who may listen to our discussion here that they might be moved to say, if somebody comes into your church and profess to be a prophet or an apostle and is making a prediction over your life um, and whatever else, if those predictions do not come to pass, you need to go back to them and tell them in a nice way that they lied to you. <laughs> you know, you know. So we we need to we need to take ownership of what is being said to us and what people are prescribing to us. We don't just say, "Oh, leave it alone." No, we need to challenge people. You know, and I think um, I know that one person in our assembly. Um, meticulously makes note in our book of people who come to our congregation with these elaborate prophecies over people's lives and 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 nothing and, and you know nothing has happened or changed in any sense and when those people come back to us again i would go back to them and say you told sister jane that this was going to happen to her Sister Jane is dead and nothing happened to her. You told this person that they were going to be healed of diabetes. They died with diabetes, whatever it be. We need to challenge people. They need to be brought to be to accountable and not just to, it, it might, it, we might, in actual fact, here's a brazen things I'm going to say. And I think, and I think there is a scripture that, um, that, that the apostle Paul says to Timothy, you must maintain sound doctrine because if you do, you will save yourself and you may, and you'll save those that hear you. We might also be a vehicle if we challenge one another to save each other from error. You know, we might help that, that um, deluded soul who claimed to be an apostle. They woke up one night with some dream or whatever and claimed that God has anointed them as an apostle or whatever. By us challenging them and showing the fallacy and, and, and the failure of what they're saying, we might help them to reconsider and find God in a proper way. So let's move on to question two. Um, question two. So were the apostles to the church foundational, functional, or both? Were they, were the apostles that was given to the church, were they foundational, functional, or were they both? Um, Who wants to go first? Andre, I think you probably could go first this time since dad went first last time. Yeah, no worries. So I'm going to share my screen for this one. So 
<clears throat> okay, so what I'm going to talk about here is essentially we're going to talk about 1 Corinthians 12 here, and we've got the Greek up just to, I don't know, just be fancy. Um, so what we're talking about here is are they foundational, functional, or both, right? The answer is both. And the reason is it's given by Paul, right? So when he says not all are apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, miracle workers, healers, tongue speakers, or interpreters, that's not just a random list. That is actually him listing in order of authority those people. And I can prove this to you by going to different parts where he actually talks about apostles and prophets again, and he uses the same order. So this is not just him making it up on the spot and switching things around. No, he's using the same order every single time because it's, a, it's to do with authority, right? Now, he also says, um, he also gives what each like uh, office does. So for instance, when he talks about, um, when he talks about uh, apostles, right? So he says, now, brethren, if I come speaking to you in tongues, how shall I benefit you unless... I bring some revelation or knowledge, prophecy or teaching, right? Apostles are first, prophets are second, teachings are, are third. But when he says revelation or knowledge, that's in the place of an apostle because that's first on the list. So what that shows you is that apostles are supposed to give revelation or knowledge infallibly, okay? They are supposed to be able to say things that come straight from God's mouth, right? That's the mark of an apostle, okay? Not everybody can do that. In fact, many people will claim to do that, but they can't, okay? The second thing that comes is prophecy, right, and teaching. Now, if you're an apostle, it just, I mean, think about just like a normal business. If you're a CEO, you have access to all the functions in the company, right? You can do it all if you wanted to, but you're at the top, so you just direct the big things. If you're at the bottom of the totem pole, you have one or two jobs that you do, but you can't go up the totem pole and do something above you, okay? It works the same way with Paul, because Paul's trying to say, we're a church, God is not the author of confusion, He's, he, he wants order, so this is the order, okay? So apostles, revelational knowledge, which is scripture that comes straight from their mouth. I mean, even Paul, when he's, when he's um, talking, he says, um, when he preached that the, the word of the Lord was coming straight out of his mouth. So scripture was like, not just scripture, but the actual infallible words of God were coming out of his mouth when he was preaching. Okay. Nobody can claim that. I don't think a lot of people can claim that today. Okay. Um, you may be able to, um, if you're really, really in touch with God, maybe you can get something here or there, but infallibly, infallibly, I don't think so. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of what I wanted to speak about there. It's just the idea that it's apostle first, prophet second, teacher third. And Paul keeps his pattern throughout all his epistles. Uh, um, and yeah, that's, that's kind of the main thing. So I'll stop myself there. Thank you, Andre. That's four minutes. Um, uh, Pramvir, um, would you like to, um, or, or Reese, um, in any order, would you like to add anything differently or to complement what's been said. Okay. Um, okay, so the question, are, were the apostles to the church? I use 
it's to the church because they're like gifts to the church. Were they foundational, functional, or both? Now, we, uh, Pastor Alfred mentioned about the foundation in uh, the New Jerusalem, which is in, in heaven, if you like, yeah? That um, there's a lot of symbolism regarding the church and Jerusalem. We are, in a sense, the New Jerusalem because the church is the bride of Christ. It is built upon the foundation of the apostles. So which apostles were foundational? Peter and the 12, including Matthias, would be foundational. So I would disagree with Pastor Alfred that Paul would be one of the 12. I don't think he says he is. I think he was functional because he wasn't an eyewitness and he didn't spend time with the Lord Jesus three and a half years. And he wasn't a, a witness to the resurrection in the sense because Jesus was in heaven. So he wasn't physically here to see Jesus. But Jesus did physically, did reveal himself from heaven by revelation as if he was physically here. So that's the second type of apostleship, I think. Um, although Paul is very much an apostle in the first sense, but in looking at it from the foundation, it becomes clear that it has 12 foundations. And, um, and the criteria were laid earlier, which I mentioned in the book of uh, Acts 1, that they needed to have started from the ministry of John and had been with the ministry of Jesus up until the time it was taken. So that would, would make the first type of apostle. The second type of apostle are the ones sent now by Jesus from heaven. So in the New Testament, Jesus is not limited because the 12s were functionally defunct once they had finished their ministry in Jerusalem. Satan had managed to find a way to, to um, corral them into a place where they were not functional. And this is a very important point. The spirit already knew, Jesus already knew this would happen. So what's happened here is that the Judaizers and the Mosaic law elements actually totally swallowed up the church uh, almost. We see from Acts 15. Even Peter, the great apostle, is now no, no longer functioning. Why? Because he was led astray by those doctrines that somehow God was still a God of the Jews. You see, you can't limit Jesus by saying those are the 12 apostles. That's it. Nothing's going to happen. God isn't relying on that. He has another man somewhere else. In my mind, an apostle is someone who Jesus sends himself directly. And I can prove that from scripture because when Barnabas and when the church at Antioch was set up, you see Barnabas was a teacher. You see, Paul was his assistant, as it, almost like his assistant was a teacher. They assembled with the church. They did some ministry work. They gave gifts and they did relief work. When they came back, the church fasted. Who fasted? The prophets and teachers fasted. There, were, there was no apostle there. They just fasted. And the spirit said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work I've already called them. So you see, they were called. Then they were sent. And Luke goes to the whole chapter does not call them apostles, except in the next chapter, he calls them and they came back apostles. So Jesus wasn't limited to the ministry of the 12. And that can be proved because he sent 72. You cannot hide God or imprison God by doctrines and by patterns. You can't do it. So the truth is, is Jesus able to send apostles? Yes, he can. He can send them today. He's not limited. He may even be doing that in Ukraine and places around, around the world in Africa. We don't know. But they don't claim to be apostles. None of the apostles 
ever use the title Apostle Paul or Apostle Peter. They would like to be called Paul or Peter. But we put the title Doctor, Apostle, whatever degrees you've got, yeah? This is nonsense. They wanted to portray Christ, I think, first and foremost. And I can see Andre shaking his head, yeah? Um, so, functional and foundational. The apostles were eyewitnesses. They were foundational. But when they had fulfilled their ministry in Jerusalem, they were limited. Some, their ministry ran its course. Something new was needed. Somebody new was needed. So you have uh, Paul, you have Barnabas, who were very, very close to Antioch. Men that had grown there, Greek speakers that knew the Greek language and culture. But Jesus is leading the way. Now, if you like New Testament, if you like the Old Testament comparisons, think of Joshua, how he led his battles. Guess who was leading the charge? Jesus. So you see, Jesus leads. I don't mean destroying people. I mean that Jesus is leading the way into evangelism. Okay, just bang on time, yeah. Like, I would have never known the magnitude of who I am with the keys of the kingdom if it wasn't for me going online, watching them talk about me on social media. And then one of them said, they said, you know, he claims that Jesus appeared to him in a dream and gave him the keys of the kingdom in 1997. And he says, now, you know, if he was given the keys of Peter, the keys of the kingdom like Peter was, you know what that means. Our Pope is really not the Pope. He's the Pope. He gave it to me. I'm not a liar. Jesus came to me. So I started to realize I'm the Pope. I don't need no robes. I'm the pontiff. I've been chosen by God to hold the highest rank out of all preachers in the world. The Son of God came to me. And when I give a word to somebody, they should obey. When they don't, they're disrespecting the highest order in the land. The Pope of the whole church universally. I'm the top head over the church universally. If a pastor come against me, no matter how big their church is, they got to shut down. They need my approval. I don't need theirs. Is that understood? Join us next week for part two. And until then, take care and God bless.